Faith and discipline. We looked at the disciplines of our faith, those six things that we ought to do every day no matter what. We should spend time with God. Spend time in God's presence. We should spend time in the Word. We should spend time in prayer. We should spend time in worship every day, not just on Sundays. We should spend time serving others. We should spend time telling people about Jesus. When we do those six things, God uses those disciplines to train us up, to grow us up, to refine us, to make us uh, and transform us into the image of His Son, Jesus. Then we started looking at a few books this year that, that sort of exemplified faith. And why I started with the bad example first, I don't know, but we looked at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the story of Solomon's life in a way, and quite honestly, I think it's just, you know, the, the it's that picture of how not to do it. I mean, Solomon made a mess, all right? Then we started into Romans back in July, and we've kind of been walking thematically through Romans, and, and when we look at this thing, we start to realize that that God has given to us through the pen of Paul this sort of account, this 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 really um, uh, uh, logical kind of kind of very detailed organization of who we are. This is really about our identity in Christ. This is about our faith. This is about what God has done, what God has provided, and 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 quite honestly, today this is one of the topics where we start to go, okay, what now? Because we got this week and next week, so we're going to deal with a little bit of chapter 13 and, and a little bit of chapter 14 this morning. And um, there, there's a part here that I'm going to touch on in the introduction that people want me to preach on, but I'm not. Just so you know. All righty, so let me read the passage to you. We're in Romans 13, starting in verse 10. Going to carry over into verse chapter 14. It says, uh, verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. I thought somebody was commenting already. Okay. Uh, uh, Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Besides this, since you know the time is already, it is already the hour. Since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. That's particularly poignant for the 810 crowd. Because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat. And one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God and whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it and he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for himself and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whatever we live, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. Hmm. Let's pray. God, we thank you again just for your word. 
God, as every Sunday, we, we just want to hear from you today. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you have to say to us. Not me, not, not the gathering, not the world. Not, we want to hear from you this morning. And so, God, my prayer would be is that as we pray, as we bow, as we surrender, as we submit to you, God, that our hearts would be prepared to hear what it is that you have to say to us. And that, God, as we hear from you, God, we'd be surrendered, that we'd act, that we'd obey. And so, God, we give you thanks that you want to speak this morning. God, help us to want to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So who's in charge of you? Right? Who's in charge of you? I just go ahead and tell you, not me. I'm not in charge of you. Right? My mom's my mom said, hey, Scott, my mom said that first song was good, by the way. So they're watching at the house this morning. Hey, mom. Uh, but who's in charge? I remember my little sister telling me one time, she says, you're not the boss of me. Right? Any sibling ever told you that? You're not the boss of me. Okay, all righty. Who's in charge of you? Well, this this passage, chapter 13, Paul is sort of tidying up some of the loose ends and everything. And, and, and in the beginning of chapter 13, this is that verse everybody wants me to preach on. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. And everybody goes, you need to preach on that. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. But I will say these few things. You know, in Acts 5, chapter, in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, when Paul and John, Peter and John and the disciples are all preaching Jesus and the, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees pull them in and, and beat them and tell them, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus or teach in the name of Jesus again. And they went out and what they do? They kept on teaching in the name of Jesus. Sorry, this was not centered and it messes with me. Y'all already know that, so don't even, it's not even a thing. Um, so they went back out and they did it again. They pulled them in again and they said, didn't we tell you not to teach in this name again? And we know their famous answer when they said, we are to obey God and not man, right? So can I tell y'all something? Uh, God never, ever, ever told me to drive 75 down Route 17, right? God never said, Bobby, you're late. You need to drive 75 down Highway 17. Never did God tell me that, right? However, the governing authorities told me not to, right? So if I think I'm late and I got to get to an appointment, so I'm going to drive 75 down 17, it's not because God told me to drive 75 down 17, but the governing authorities did tell me not to drive. So, so by driving 75, I'm not obeying God over disobeying man in that situation. You see what I'm saying? So there are some things in our culture and some things in our society that folks as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of God, guess what? There's some things in our society now that God said that our governing authorities are telling us to do differently. Have y'all noticed some of them? I, I was listening to a thing. I drove home from mom and dad's Friday morning and I was listening to a thing. You know what? I've got to obey God rather than man. I don't have a choice. And in Christ, you don't either. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a couple, and some of you are going to amen. Some of you are going to get mad, but it's all right with me. Uh, I'm going to stay on my side of the road when I drive. Anybody mad about that? No, you're not. You don't want to meet me head on. Uh, I'm going to pay taxes begrudgingly. 
but I'm going to pay them. Guess what? I'm not going to walk into a crowded theater and yell fire. Right? I'm just not going to do it. However, my government says I have to call a man a woman. I can't. My government says I've got to call a woman a man. I can't. My government says I've got to marry two people of the same sex because gender's a false concept. I can't. Okay? I'm going to obey God first. Okay? That's what I think about Romans 13.1 and Acts 5.29. Now, folks have been asking me about this stuff for a long time now. So now I've said it. It's on video. It just went out over the internet. And now you know. Okay? I'm going to obey God first. Okay? But that's not what I'm preaching about today. I'm preaching about the fact that after we get the gospel, the good news, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's the good news of Romans 1.16. And then we see the bad news, that there's sin, and we've all been corrupted and affected, and, and, and sin has had an impact on all of us, but God tells us to avoid sin. Stay away from it. Don't dance with it. Don't get as close as you can. Avoid sin. We've been justified. We have justification. We have righteousness by justification. We have a sanctification, a set-apartness that God has given to us. We have in the book of Romans, we have good examples of following God. We've got some bad examples of following God. So what does it look like when we get to the end of the book of Romans? What does it look like for me? Uh, Better yet, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for us as the body of Christ? That's what we're going to talk about today. What does it look like? Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Now, people are going to say, yeah, but you just said you were going to be mean to people. Yeah, well, you know what? Sometimes telling the truth is love. Did y'all know that? Telling people what the Bible says, that's love. Telling people what God expects, that's love. Telling people where God has, has, has spoken design, purpose, and plan into the world he created. And that it's not left up to us to change that. That's love. So I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to tell him the truth. Right? Besides this, since you know the time, see what what Paul is revealing to us right there, what God's inspired him to share with us is, guess what? There have been all these hundreds and thousands of years of God at work from creation to Romans chapter 13. And Paul says this, and I love this phrase because this is where I stole it from to begin with. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. People always ask me, Bobby, do you think we're in the end times? And I go, we're closer today than we were yesterday. You know, my ultimate salvation, redemption, and, and presence with God is closer now than it was 52 years ago, 53 years ago when I got saved. 
right? My salvation ultimately is nearer now than when I first believed. And the night is nearly over and the day is near. Paul's telling us, guess what? God is bringing his purpose, plan, and design to its end. I had a conversation the other day with a guy that doesn't believe. I told him, I said, well, I've always believed in an end. You know what? I'll be quite honest. If I quit driving my car, the end's still coming. Right? I, I, I'm not going to protect some greenhouse somewhere. Okay? The end's coming. He says, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. God wants us to live the, the testimony of our faith. God wants us to make the choices that shine light in darkness. He says, let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. And then verse 14 is kind of the first point of today's message. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. All right. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ like a garment is the way that phrasing works, right? This idea that, that, that we're going to be clothed in a righteousness that is not our own. We're going to be clothed in a redemption, a regeneration. We're, we're, we're going to be clothed in a salvation, a good news gospel that, that we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, but God freely, lovingly has given it to us. See? And so, so in as much, and we read this last week at the end of chapter 12, in as much as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. In as much as it is up to you, live the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't make provision for the flesh in your life. Ooh, I like to eat. See, I could have picked any of the things he listed there, but guess what? Paul didn't mention gluttony either. I've always said, Baptist preachers never preach on gluttony. They'll preach about everything else, but they won't preach on gluttony. Right? I love to eat. Oh, my. Right? Make no provision for the flesh in your life. And I know eating sounds trivial, but this, 1 Corinthians 6, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? So what do we do? We put on Jesus Christ. Love puts on Jesus. You, you want to be a light in the darkness? You want to preach life instead of death? You want to have an impact and an influence on a world that is bound, and quite honestly, and I know there are kids in the room, but a world that's bound for hell? Then we've got to put on Jesus Christ. We don't compromise with the world. We don't get out there and dance so close to the sin line that people don't know us from them. We are different. We are set apart. We are God's people. Then he goes into this breakdown about welcome anyone who's weak in faith. All right, here you go. Here's one of those, you know, show of hands, pop quizzes, right? Uh, everybody in the room that's strong in faith, raise your hand. There you go. Look at that. Some of you are like, yeah, I, I, man, yeah. Well, I got a confession to make. 
There's so many times when I go, God, I'm so weak. And then Paul reminds me of 2 Corinthians. God reminds me of 2 Corinthians where Paul said, every time I prayed to God about this, he said, my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness I am made strong. So I want to be weak. That way I get to experience the strength of God. You see, that's what it means to be strong in faith. To let God's strength flow and pour through us. So he gets into these, these things that, that I've referred to as insignificant arguments. One person believes he can eat anything while one who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, you know, this is that New Testament Jewish community argument over the Old Testament uh, dietary laws. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know, doctors and scientists and people have done studies on the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And they're actually healthy laws. They're actually really healthy guidelines. But, but why did God give them to his people upon uh, the wilderness journey and entrance into the promised land? Because they needed to be differentiated, separated. They didn't want, God didn't want his people to look like the pagans of the land. You see? Now, can I just go ahead and tell y'all, God doesn't want us looking like pagans of the land either. But I'll be honest, it doesn't have anything to do with bacon. I happen to like it. The one who eats must not look down on the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat must not judge the one who does because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? That statement right there looks weird in the middle of all that. But what he's saying is, is that a lot of the household servants were from different cultures and ate different things. And so there was these, these, these squabbles between people who were trying to serve Jesus and others who wanted to serve Jesus, but because they were eating something that this group wasn't, they were at each other. Whew, sounds like a denomination, doesn't it? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls. Guess what? You know what? Before God, before the Lord Jesus Christ, you stand or fall. I tell people all the time, I can't get you in. Ain't my job. I told y'all, I've told y'all before, I, I, when I was a youth pastor, I had a basketball ministry. On Thursday afternoons, I'd open up the gym at our church and got to where the, the, the schools would just let the kid, they let the school buses drop kids off at our church back then. They won't do that these days, but anyway. They let the school buses bring them. And so, man, the school buses would roll up and these were kids from every let's say background you can imagine right and i mean the gym would be packed and i'm the only adult in the room man if they wanted to take over the church they could have just hid me under a bleacher somewhere but they came in and they wanted to play ball man they wanted to play ball and so we would play these 10 minute games 10 minute games four on four they'd come register their team and and, and you could stay on the court as long as you won but then they'd start manipulating the teams and making better teams. And they'd play, man, it was tough. And I had to clock. If I saw something go wrong, on the I'd hit that horn and everybody would stop. And I'd go, all right, that's a foul, right? And I was the only guy. I was the only adult in the room. And I was a young adult at that time. So I didn't know that I was being crazy. And then we'd take a break at midtime. 45 minutes in, we'd take a break. And I'd teach the gospel. I'd teach Jesus, right? 
And all these kids that, that, you know, whether they'd heard it or not heard it or whatever, you know, I'd have kids. And so I had one, 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 one young man one time, he, he wants to sit down and talk about Jesus. And, 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 and this was said to me, he said, well, he, he told me about this other pastor in town who had saved him. And I went, oh, really? The pastor saved you? And he went, yeah. And I went, I don't think so. I mean, that's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you think I saved you, then gee, you're still lost. You see? See, our salvation, we stand before God, each one of us, right? It's not a collective. You don't get in because you're gathering. You don't get in because you're Catholic. You don't get in because you're Baptist or Methodist or any other name tags you want to wear. You get in because you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you eat and don't eat, what you what day of the week you decide to worship? You know, I I, I shouldn't even go there. But I, I know there were seven days. I believe in seven days. I believe in six days of creation and on the seven day rest. I'm just not sure that it looked like our calendar today. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? I know there were six days and the seventh day God rested. God's telling us to rest. He's telling us to Sabbath. To Sabbath. Okay? But we get in an argument over days on the calendar. Right? We get in an argument of what we can eat and what we can't eat. Let's bring it up to modern contemporary times. We get in an argument about what we can wear and what we can't wear. This morning, I particularly wore short socks just so I could show y'all my ankle. <laughs> the funny thing about that is, is one time I was preaching up in Pisgah Forest and I took my shoes off and went barefoot. And then when I put my shoes back on, I didn't put my socks on with them. I just put the shoes on without the socks. And there were people in the congregation worried that I wasn't wearing socks. Insignificant arguments, folks, disputed matters, things that don't really matter when we stand before the throne of God. Here's the question. When you leave here, let's say at 9, 10, 18 minutes from now, is your heart, your mind guided by what pleases God to put on Jesus Christ? To, to, to put on love for those around you. You don't have to agree with people to love them, but to put on love for the people around you. You see? Whoever eats, eats for the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, and whoever does not eat, it's for the Lord that he does not eat it. And he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for himself and none, no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. See that? So what does all of our faith that we see sort of spelled out in Romans, what does it look like when it's all said and done? 
See, people have been asking me this recently because this is our message topic for the year. Faith and discipline and 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 and, and my faith and, and, and my discipline and what it looks like. And, and then he says this, therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the living, the dead and the living. You see, God's put something in our hands, okay, to put it uh, kind of a different way. He's given us Christ. He's given us salvation. He's given us Jesus. We've talked about mindset during Romans. You should have this mindset. What does that mean? You've got to set your mind where? On the world or on Jesus? You've got to set your thoughts on the things above. You see? To live Sunday, September 17th, to live Christ means you've got to set your mind on pleasing God. Right? Too many times we let our minds be set on pleasing ourselves. Set your mind on things above. Have the same mind as Christ about these things. See, Christ said, I don't do anything that I haven't seen my father do. I don't say anything I haven't heard my father say. See, we've got to abide in these things. These are the disciplines of our faith to spend time in God's presence, to spend time in God's word, to spend time on our knees in prayer, to spend time in worship together and individually. And worship all the time. See, spend time serving and giving to others. Spend time telling people about Jesus. See, what does it look like? It goes back to the very first one. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. See, the second priority of this gathering of believers, this worship community, is to live Jesus. You see it on the sign out there. You see it on everything we print up. Our first priority is loving God. That is our individual, corporate, and everyday worship. Living Jesus is going out and loving your neighbor as yourself. See? Then we hang out together, walk together, you see? This is our faith in practice. Okay? This is our identity before the throne of God. So that at that time when we stand before God one day because night's over and day's coming, right? We stand before God unashamed because of the gospel, because of the good news, okay? Loving each other. Love puts on Jesus. Love doesn't demand its own way in insignificant arguments. Live or die. It's all about Jesus, folks. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. We want you to know who He is. We want you to know what He's done for you. 
We want you to know salvation and redemption and regeneration and hope and peace. We want you to know those things. So if you don't know Jesus, we, we, we would love to introduce you. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you like me, man, you grew up in church and, and somebody sat down and shared the gospel with you and, and, and you prayed and, 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 and just trusted Jesus with your life and trusted Jesus for forgiveness and trusted Jesus for, for eternity. But even now you know the world is a distraction. Sin has this, this magnetic effect that pulls you in. See, God's telling us, set your mind on the things above. Don't, don't, don't look out there, look up here. You know, that's what the teacher used to say, right? Sitting in the classroom, don't look at your neighbor, look at me. Right? God's saying, don't look around you, look up. Okay? Maybe, and, and, and we had this conversation, maybe you want to be a part of the gathering. I always tell people, if you show up for worship, guess what? You gathered. Welcome. Glad you're here. I met folks who've been here like a year ago and now they're back this year. Yay. We love that. I think that's cool. We live in a place where that happens all the time. And I always tell people, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Yay. Maybe you're here though and you want to be involved in what God's doing in this place. And maybe maybe you, you're one of those folks who's like, you know what? I want to be a member because we get these little cards back and there's a there's a checkbox on the back that says I want to join the church. All right, here's what you got to know. You got to know Jesus. Jesus has got to be the Lord of your life. And you've got to have been buried, you baptized. Well, what that means is is we don't sprinkle or pour or touch or any of that. We dunk. So you got to be buried and we'll raise you back up. We won't leave you down there. Right? Got to have been baptized as a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Be a member of the gathering. When it all comes down to it, though, God's asking you a question right now. And you know it. We, don't, we are not confronted by the Word of God that God doesn't challenge us in some way. We're going to sing one more song. Uh, how has God challenged you this morning? Okay. what's God asking you and what will your answer be? Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. As the psalmist said, a day that you have made that we can rejoice and be glad. God, I'm glad. I'm glad for salvation. I'm glad for your word. I'm glad that I get to hang out with my creator. I'm glad that I get to hang out with other believers and, and a worship community, God, where we want to celebrate you. We want to sing to you. And we want to talk and and pray to you. God, we want to love each other. We want to hug each other's necks and shake each other's hands and and smile. And and God, thank you for all those blessings. And yet, God, if there's even one person here today that's unsure, doesn't know, God, my prayer is, is that they would answer yes to your invitation. And we just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.